Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Welcome into Off the Pike as we get you ready for the Patriots and the Colts coming up on Sunday. Joining us now is Kyrie Thompson from WEI. Kyrie, what's up, man? Thanks for coming back. Oh, anytime. You know what's up. All right. So this is what I want to do tonight, Kyrie. And we're going to get into the game and whatnot, the Patriots and the Colts and the inactivity at the deadline. But I want to try to fix the Patriots offense, right? Because I feel like you're the guy that can help us out with this. I mean, you dig deep into the film. You're into the numbers as well, which, of course, you know, I like. So I think we get to figure oh, out yeah. a way to fix or at least some ways to fix the Patriots offense because it's probably not all fixable right now. But I'll start with this one. So we'll get into the quarterback first, and then I want to get into some of the weapons or the weapons that aren't being utilized enough. So I was looking at this with Mac in terms of the quick game, right? So getting rid of the ball less than two and a half seconds. Mac out of the quarterbacks that have had at least 70 dropbacks, he's 37th of 39 in terms of the percentage, less than two and a half seconds at 37.2%. And you juxtapose that number to last year is at 47.4%. And here's the other thing. So since he's not getting rid of the ball quickly in terms of his dropbacks where it's over two and a half, 2.5 seconds, it's 62.8% third of 39. And Kyrie, one of the things that I looked at in that game the other day, the only two successful drives I saw is when he was getting the ball out quickly. So I'm trying to figure out 
why the Patriots aren't using more quick game with Mac Jones, because it seemed to work last year for them and they've sort of aborted it this year. Well, I think that some of it comes from a desire to be more explosive. And I mean, even now, Mac Jones is still among the league leaders in, you know, deep passing percentage, right? Um, you know, percentage of his passes that travel that are completed for you know, 20 yards or more that, you know, travel 20 yards or more. So, I mean, there the explosive plays or, or at least like the attempts at explosive plays were definitely pretty prevalent um, before he got hurt. And I mean, he, he's still trying to take some shots here and there, but I, not as much uh, in this past game. But I, I think that's really kind of what it's coming from. But then you also look at the fact that and this has been talked about a lot comparing him and Bailey Zappi, the fact that Bailey Zappi got a lot more play action. He had more, uh, you know, pass attempts where, you know, he had max protection, you know, a seven, eight man protection, whereas Mac Jones is most of his pass uh, reps were out of, you know, five man protection. So it's like, they're asking him to throw the ball down the field more with less protection <laughs> more men in the route, you know, it's a, and, and so more things to read. And so it, it, it seems like a recipe for not much success when you think about what Mac Jones did last year. And then some of the, the struggles they've started to have with the offensive line, especially a right tackle, which has been a revolving door. And as you mentioned, there were a couple drives in that game against the Jets where I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. He's making some quick decisions. The ball's coming out. It looks a lot smoother than it did earlier in the game. And again, some of the mistakes that were made, right, the interception that the, the actual interception that was credited to him, th that was off a double move. They were trying to go deep on that one and Marcus Cannon couldn't protect it long enough. So some of it is on Mac and some of it's not. And I think that actually after watching it on tape, more of it, less of it was on Mac than I expected. Some of it was pass protection and even the pick six that happened with Jacoby Myers that got called back. That one's kind of split on the two of them. It, I don't actually think it was a bad decision by Mac Jones to throw the ball the way that he did it. They just weren't on the same page. So that's another thing. Chemistry has got to get better. I think they should quicken things up a little bit until they can get some of their blocking issues figured out. I will say this though. They started to use more RPO and more play action in this last game. They had his play action percentage up to 20%, whereas it was hovering like at 10 before that for the season. Well, the play action thing has been a big thing all year that they haven't been digging into that. And ironically, when Zappi played, they did. And it looked like the Patriots offense that we saw at times last year, which is kind of confusing to me because it's working for Zappi. That means that it can work for Mac. Like we all acknowledge that Mac's a more talented player. So well, we never, should. Yeah. We well, should. I, yeah. I, I don't understand why they weren't using some of that more. But to your point about the RPOs, right? So he came from the same offense in some sense that Tua came from and the Jalen Hurts came from, right? And if you look at them this season, Hurts is at 42 attempts out of RPOs, which is second in the NFL. Tua is fourth. Mac has five all season. Now, they started to use some, as you said, last week a little bit more. But if you go back to Alabama, 19% of the attempts were out of RPOs. 61 of 68, Kyrie. Last year, he was 28 of 32 with a 108.9 rating. So I just don't understand, right? Because what we heard before the season is, hey, we want to take some of the stuff that Mac did at Alabama and utilize it here. Now, the only thing that we can say they took from Alabama, at least from my perspective, maybe you disagree, is they're throwing the ball down the field more because Mac's numbers at the collegiate level from a deep 
passing perspective, we're good. Now, some of that is because he has some of the best receivers in the NFL. They're getting wide open. But nonetheless, it feels like that's the only thing they actually took from Alabama and implemented it last year. In fact, Matt Patricia talked about it earlier this year that Mac throws a really good deep ball, so they wanted to utilize that more. But the RPO thing, and this get back, gets back to our thing about getting rid of the ball less than two and a half seconds, right? The quick game, the RPOs can help with that. And if you have a player that has proven he's really good doing this, why wouldn't you implement it more? It's just like, it's very confusing to me that they don't use RPOs in their offense because like there's this misconception, you don't have to run the ball to use RPOs. It's a different thing. Yeah, no, and, and, and that, that's what always gets me, right, is that they immediately go to the running quarterbacks like, oh, yeah, those are RPOs. They're, no, what an, an RPO, they, it can involve running for a quarterback, but what it actually means, an RPO is run, pass, option, and most of the time that involves you. It's basically just a one-read play action. You, you fake a handoff to a running back, not you, a running back, and then you read a defender. So then it becomes like a read option, but you throw the ball. So, if you know, this defender crashes down into the box to stop the run, then you throw the ball. If he stays outside because, you know, they're, they're being taught more to kind of crash on the RPO, then you hand it off, right? So Mac Jones can throw the hell out of an RPO. And and it's funny because, you know, I, I, I love watching the QB school. If, if you haven't if you don't know about that, you should. It'll teach you a lot about quarterback play and, and, and the way things are designed. Um, and JT O'Sullivan is is my favorite in the game. There are so many good ones. Like, I love Tim Jenkins. I get Tim Jenkins on my show every once in a while to talk about quarterback stuff. I just love JT JTO's humor uh, and, and, and the way that he does it. But, I mean, it's, it's excellent stuff. And he talked about this week how Tua Tungavailoa is a savant at RPOs. He just RPOs teams to death and the thing is people kept saying oh yeah they better have more to their arsenal than that uh you know if two two is going to be good and it's like actually you just get him some better players and he'll rpo you completely out of the building the <laughs> thing is mac jones is capable of doing that kind of thing and making those quick decisions but if we're going to be completely honest here and i think that's something that i've i've gleaned from listening to matt patricia and listening to josh mcdaniels they just don't they don't want to do it they want to do things their way and RPOs are kind of like this college gimmicky thing or whatever. And the way that we've done, yeah. The way that we've done things all this time, like that's good enough. And, and the other issue being that I feel like, especially in a year where, you know, Matt Patricia is, is his first time being an offensive coordinator. I think there is an element of, let me stick to the things I know how to teach and not get too crazy about the things I don't know how to teach. And I feel like RPOs might fall into that little bucket. I was encouraged by the fact that they used it more. And and the thing is, they used it more than perhaps it was listed as. It's just it's just looked at as as a run play mostly because right, they handed right. they handed the ball off a bunch of times because the Jets they they love to just play with their front four and not have to blitz people. And then they and then the you know, Patriots are trying to spread you out. And so they would get a six man box. And if you're like, okay, just hand it off. So you don't always look at it like it's an RPO because the, the pass wasn't thrown. But I think that, that that's still something to keep in mind. And I think that that's actually one of the things that Joe Judge alluded to. And he's like, he did a lot of things that didn't show up in the box score in this game. Mm. And I think that was part of it reading the RPOs correctly, and when diagnosing the box the right way, hand it off to Damian Harris, hand it off to Ramondre Stevenson, and just let them get yards. So that that's the other part. Mac Jones's intelligence to know 
okay, I've done this play enough to know, just run the ball here. I don't need to throw it, just hand it right off. And so that's a weapon as well, using Mac Jones's ability to diagnose those plays that way too. Yeah, I'm with you because I think letting Mac make quick decisions is what we've seen in the past is that's where he's usually successful. It's when he holds on to the ball, that's where he gets himself oh, yeah. in trouble. That's and bad. it's that it's not all on him, but sometimes when he's improvising Kyrie, right? When things break down, that's where he gets himself in a lot of trouble. And that's where a lot of those turnovers come. So anything to sort of expedite the process and speed it up, I'm all for that. Now, the other thing, and I know you're big on this one. So how about the fact that Mac under setter this year, 11.5% of his attempts last year, that number was at 25 or 20% rather. And we saw it actually the fourth and one play that you alluded to earlier. He's in the gun on fourth and one, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. Now I talked to James White after the game the other day, and he thought maybe it was because of the ankle. But if you go back even prior to that, he wasn't under center much. So I thought, oh yeah, maybe that makes sense, right? That it would be because of the ankle, but this is something that's been going on all season long. And it wasn't that way with Zappi. So Again, I don't understand why they're not using Mac Jones under center. Like, what is the explanation for not doing that? To me, I think that it's this idea, and and, and I see people respond this way, and I don't wholly understand it. Maybe some of it is just it's comfort for Mac Jones, but I also think that some of it is, you know what? Hey, like you're like this is this is what we want you to do. We want you to be in the gun. We want you to to air it out, spread it out all over the field throw it deep. Like this is your second year. Let's see what you can do. Cut it loose. And to some extent, I can understand that, but to swing so dramatically from what they did last year, where he spent so much time under center and had so much play action, like 27%, like, you know, like play action Raiders, like some, that was over 20% as well. And to see that drop down to about what 10% on, on, on average this year, or like somewhere in that range, and then see him in the shotgun 90% of the time. Look, I'm sorry, it makes you more predictable. When they know you're not going to run, when you're going to be in the gun, and most of the time you're not, like if you put the ball out there at the mesh point, the running back is going to take it. That makes you more predictable. And with Bailey Zappi, look, play action, and this is something people say a lot, it's a cheat code, okay? Especially when you run the ball as well as the Patriots do. You don't have to be a good running football team to to be a good play action team, but it sure helps if they know that you could get gashed. You know, if the defense knows that they could get yeah. run on and then you hit them with play action, you get them to bite up and then it just creates holes over the top in the intermediate role. You don't have to read that as much. And you can also have success when you're only sending two guys out in the route. Okay. So, so there are, there, there are so many ways in which that's beneficial. And to me, I feel like I understand wanting Mac Jones to take another step in, in progression and read the field more, throw the ball down the field more and say, hey, look, I, I trust you to take care of this when you've only got five men and, you know, uh, uh, protecting you. But to swing it so much, I just feel like it's too much. It's too much of a change. And you got I feel like you got to help Mac Jones out more in that regard, because, look, yeah, great. He's a second year quarterback. He's got a year in the league. He's still a second year quarterback. He's still developing. He's still figuring out what he can and can't do in the NFL. He's not a seasoned veteran. So to just dramatically change the way that he plays offense, the way that he had success last year, and then do something completely different, like, yeah, it might be more in line with what he did in college, but he hasn't done it this much in the at the NFL level. It's different now. And as you mentioned, he doesn't have Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell and stuff just, just getting open all over the place. 
it's different. So I, I feel like to me, it, it's too much of a change. This should help Mac Jones. And to me, that was, that was shown on his best throw of the day under center play action hits Hunter Henry in, in, in a hole in zone coverage. I mean, uh, to me, that was the real Mac Jones. And I want to see more of that. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And the other thing is, too, just about Mac individually, like it's very fair to criticize him because he's made a lot of mistakes that weren't on the coaching staff right now. We can look at it and say, hey, the coaching staff hasn't helped him with the scheme, et cetera. Both things can be true at the same time. Like you can look at the coaching staff. You can look at Mac. He's going to make better decisions, but they could certainly help him. And part of that, you mentioned the Hunter Henry play, the play action, the fake to Damian Harris down the field to Hunter Henry. So this is another one that stuck out to me, right? Because Hunter Henry, I'm not telling you that he was one of the best tight ends in the NFL last year, but he was a competent, pretty good tight end. He was pretty productive for the Patriots. And I was looking at going through his game log and his two biggest games, the Browns, four grabs on seven targets, 61 yards at a touchdown. Detroit, four grabs on five targets, 54 yards. Since then, three targets on two catches. The three Mac games, Miami, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore before the injury, three grabs on four targets. Okay, so what do these games have in common, the Browns and Detroit? Well, 25% of the dropbacks against the Browns were out of play action. 36.4% of the dropbacks against the Lions were out of play action. You look at the numbers, of course, with Mac way down in terms of the play action. And even in that Bears game where Zappi played the majority of the game, they fell behind. They didn't use a lot of play action. It was at 8.7%. So with Hunter Henry, this tight end that, remember, you're paying $12.5 million to this season. What we saw last year and what we saw in his two productive games this season, they used play action a lot. And the Jets are a team where that was a competitive game last week. You certainly could have implemented more play action, but it feels like to me, like we always talk about the play action helping just the quarterback and Mac Jones, but it feels like that it could help your tight ends as well. Also, Jonu Smith, if you go back to when Jonu had his best years in Tennessee, oh, Ryan Tannehill, highest play action rate in the NFL in 2019. Like, so this stuff doesn't just matter for the quarterback. It matters for the tight ends. And basically what the Patriots have done by not utilizing play action at all is you've erased a position that you're paying the most money to with the NFL in terms of the salary cap. And you know what? I, I feel like this is where the pitfall of being a purely game plan team is, or let, that's the way they describe themselves, is because in a way you don't have a system. You have whatever works for a given game. And then if you decide, and, and that, that's the way Matt Patricia has kind of explain things is that it's not about whichever quarterbacks in the game it's not because Bailey Zappi's in the game or Mac Jones in, is in the game it's because we're playing the Lions and and the Browns as opposed to playing the Jets or another team and we do different things but the thing is if you if you've decided that okay well sometimes we're just not we're just not going to really you know have you do anything and we're going to scheme for for other people I, I still don't think that's the best way always to go about running an offense because look the, the best thing to do right is to have everybody involved and not just as a blocker see that's the thing I'm like oh yeah he blocks really well he's paid to catch passes okay you could you could get you know some ryan griffin or some random dude you know james o'shaughnessy right. to go block for you okay you paid this guy to catch the ball and score <laughs> touchdowns and if you're and if you're just straight up going to not do the things that allow him to catch the ball and score touchdowns more often. That's not good. And I'm going to say this, look, Matt Patricia by and large 
has not been, and I, I predicted this, is it has not been as bad as everybody expected it was going to be. It has not been an abject disaster. The, the offense is fine. It's not great, but, it, but it's okay. Okay, they run the ball really well. They had a couple good weeks under Zappy. And look, they got enough done last week to win against a really good Jets defense. That, that's a very good defense. They took what was given to them and they won the game. But I still feel like there are some nuances of calling a game and developing a game plan that I feel like that, that are still he's still developing at, but I also think that's not even just a Matt Patricia problem because I think it was like that. It's sometimes with Josh McDaniels too. You get so caught up in, Oh yeah, this is the very specific way in which we are going to beat this team. And you still got to think about, okay, what do we do really well? And what do we need to do to get this guy involved in the game plan? And I feel like too often you see guys just get lost like like Kendrick Bourne just just completely lost in the game plan and it's like I feel like you should do things that get guys like that involved or get Hunter Henry involved or get Tyquan Thornton involved he's your best speed threat you know so I still think there are things about the Patriots offense and the way they approach game planning that could be better okay yeah so let's get to Thornton because you got me very excited about it in the summer when we did a show together talking about how fast he is so when I saw him a couple of weeks ago, I was very enthusiastic about the performance because he was really involved. But if you look at it, just two targets last week, and I understand part of that is Parker went down, so maybe he wasn't supposed to be that heavily involved in the game plan. But nonetheless, previous two games, he was at five targets. Now against Cleveland, he got three carries, including a touchdown run. So they, they were literally scheming him into the game plan. Hey, we got to get this kid the ball. So no carries in the last two games. And here's the thing to me. It feels like right now they haven't really figured out how they want to use him, right? So the Browns game, his average depth of target was 4.4 yards. The Bears game, it was at 17.5. The Jets game, it was at 8.5 uh, in terms of the average depth of target. So for me, like, I feel like the speed element has sort of changed in the NFL, right? When you saw Tyquan Thornton and he was drafted, you're thinking, okay, you look at his college numbers, you're like, okay, this is kind of the old school Deshaun Jackson, right? Get down the field deep threat. But no, what we've seen in the NFL, these super fast guys, like a Tyree Kill, for example, you're getting them the ball early, right? You're getting them the ball quickly. And because Thornton has all this speed, then he can do things after the catch, right? He profiles that way. And you can hand him the ball off and get him just out in open space. So for me, it feels like obviously he's leaped Nelson Aguilar. It feels like yep. right now, depending on what goes on with Parker, he's really like number two almost after Jacoby Myers. So I'm just wondering, like, he was out there a lot last week. He was second in snaps for receivers. Yep. I'm just wondering if he's going to be more involved going forward because I feel like, Kyrie, when you have this type of weapon, this type of speed on the field, you have got to find a way to get the ball in his hands or at least, at the very least, like, put him in motion and stuff so the defense has to account for him, right? It's almost like a great three-point shooter in the NBA, right, where you always got to know where that guy is. Like, I feel like they can use that sort of, intimidation for lack of a better term with Tyquan Thornton. And you know what? I think that your point about, they don't really know how to, how to deal with him yet. I feel like in a lot of ways, that's how I feel about Mac Jones. They don't know how to call plays for Mac Jones right now. And I feel like that that's the thing. He's, he's a rookie and maybe they don't want to put too much on his plate, but I got to tell you when they handed him the ball, that was something that secretly, like, I was just like, I really hope that they do this. And to be honest, when you saw him breeze into the end zone, the way that he did against the Browns, I can't believe they haven't done that at least once a game since. Yeah, I know. I don't get it. Ball. Get Literally give him the ball because once he gets it in space, 
He walks away from people. They look like they are trying as hard as they can, and it does not matter because he's gone. He's just absolutely gone. And I I get wanting to use him on a variety of routes because you don't necessarily want to pigeonhole him into just a, okay, all you do is run deep sort of thing because he can do a little bit more than that. He's got the ability to run. He can run slants. Okay. He can run ins, you know, he can, he can do short stuff and obviously use the threat of him going deep to snap off some short things. But again, some of it might be because you did have some quarterback movement happening right there. And you're, you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I deal with the, the quarterback situation and call plays that are, that are going to work for them that are going to work against this particular opponent and, and against the jets in particular, because they are, uh, uh, they like to play too high. So they like to take away your deep shots. So that's probably part of it, right? Mm-hmm. If you're sending Tyquan Thornton down the field, he's probably not getting the ball against the jets. You're trying to open up things underneath. I understand that. At the same time, look, if if they are gonna if they're gonna you know sit back and play too high, then hit that dude on an end around, get him the ball in the yeah. flat, something. And so I, I feel like he's essentially wide re- he's wide receiver three now when everybody's healthy. I, I think he, he's he's leaped Aguilar, he's leaped Bourne. I mean, and, and that's impressive for a rookie who missed what eight, you know, however many games he missed, what five games, six games. So that that's awesome for for a young kid who's just getting his feet wet in the NFL but again he has a skill set that no one else on the team has you finally have a guy that people are in in the Browns game they were terrified of Tyquan Thornton he would run down the field and and safeties and corners were both following following him all over the place Hunter Henry gets a wide open touchdown nobody was even close because they saw Tyquan Thornton running deep and they said oh crap we got to go cover that guy how about you how about you use that a little bit more, except also give him the football. I'm with you, man. So I think we fix some of the offense, more play action, get rid of the ball quickly, use Tyquan Thornton, use some play action. So Hunter Henry can get involved. And I and feel throw like the we... ball to Ramondre Stevenson more too. Okay. Yeah. Let's get to that because Ramondre, I know before the season, you predicted a massive year. I believe you compared him to Marshawn Lynch. And now that comparison looks really good. So this is the most interesting thing to me about Ramondre, the combination, right? So and I was talking to James White about this too. That one-handed catch was just like, oh man, like this yeah. is, ri- yeah, like this is ridiculous. So this season, he is averaging 7.1 attempts per broken tackle, which is first in the NFL. Okay. So that means he is a clear power back and he can run you over. But he has 32 receptions, which is sixth, sixth amongst running backs. And we know that, of course, he was splitting a lot more time earlier this season with Damian Harris. But my point, the reason I, reference the receptions and the attempts per broken tackle Kyrie is this shouldn't be the combination like this type of player this shouldn't be a profile of any player in the NFL right like McCaffrey's not going to be up there in terms of the most broken tackles in the NFL and Ramondre Stevenson is at the top of both these categories that you don't really see players like this he's a baller I mean look he's he's again making guys miss at the line of scrimmage in the backfield with absolutely no no space it's in a phone booth and, he, and he's and he's breaking tackles. He's using his feet. He's juking people out of their shoes at 230 pounds or, or whatever he's weighing in at right now. His short area burst. I mean, yeah, the long speed, he's not necessarily going to break a lot of, you know, 90 yard touchdowns or anything. But the thing I loved about that one handed catch, it wasn't just the catch. It's the fact that he immediately turns up field and then he's just boom, 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 just just bursts past guys at the second level and picks up like nine yards or whatever. 
I mean, it's rare. He he is a rare player. They got this guy in the fourth round. That's hilarious. And again, I go back to it. I was there at training camp last year. They were getting on his ass. I mean, Josh McDaniels, I, I even fear screaming at this dude constantly. And, and I was just like, you know what? It's because they want him to play. Like everybody's talking about red shirt, this red shirt, that, oh yeah, I got all these running backs. I was like, no, 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 no. I flipped on the tape of this dude for five minutes, his college tape. I was like, ah, no, this guy can play. He can play right now. And he proved, and he proved it immediately. He's clearly the best running back on this team. There are just, there, there are no, I mean, he's the best offensive player on the team, right? Oh, no doubt. Let's not front about this. And, that might not be the thing you want for your running back to be your best player, but I mean, he's really just that good right now. Everybody else just has to catch up. And yeah, his skill set just doesn't make sense for a guy his size. It almost just makes you think like there's no shortage of amount of times that you should get this ball. You get, get this guy the ball in a game and they started using him on angle routes even more in this past game. Linebackers can't deal with his quickness at 230 pounds. It's hilarious. I know he's so fun to watch. The other thing I love about him too is like Bill loves him. Like every press conference now, he literally Bill, says he loves him. Yeah, he literally said he loves him. Like ordinarily, this happens. Like he hypes up the player on the other team. He's hyping up Ramondre Stevenson. And Ramondre Stevenson said at his press conference on Thursday he loves Bill too. So I guess it's a good thing. Yeah. Which makes me interested in terms of the Damian Harris role long term, right? Because clearly Ramondre Stevenson has packed, uh, passed him on the pecking order, but. The other part to that is, well, you just had a trading deadline. And I get like Damian Harris, you need a backup running back. But if Damian Harris, the likelihood is the Patriots aren't going to sign him to any big contract, especially considering they have Ramondre Stevenson. And I'm just wondering if maybe they should have put him out there a little bit more. You get desperate teams around the league that are trying to compete right now that could certainly use a guy like Damian Harris. Like Brady may be able to use him. The Rams may be able to use him. So I was a little bit surprised that they didn't shop Damian Harris. What do you think the logic was there and would have, would you have shopped him? I mean, they probably did shop him if we're going to be honest. And they just didn't like the return. They're just not going to tell you that they shopped him. But I'm, I'm sure they took some calls on Damian Harris and Isaiah Wynn. I mean, they apparently put Isaiah Wynn's name out there. I'm sure they took calls on uh, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. I mean, they might've gotten calls on Jacoby Myers, but they probably hung the phone up right away because you're not trading Jacoby Myers. Like the, if, if Ramondre Stevenson's the, the best offensive player on your team, Jacoby Myers is the second best player on, on that side of the ball. So you're not trading him right now, unless you've decided you're waving the white flag and the season's over, which I don't think they've done, but I'm sure they put those guys out there. But here, there are a couple of things about this. First of all, yeah, it takes two to tango. And I do think that they were probably trying to drive a hard bargain. Look, if we're going to give up our depth, because I think that that's probably point number one, honestly, is the depth part. We built a roster around having a lot of good NFL players that we can plug in whenever we need to. If somebody goes down, we don't miss a beat. And without Damian Harris, you're relying on Ty Montgomery, who's still not back yet. He's not playing or, or your rookie running backs. So That's tough. And I'm sure they probably didn't want to have that situation right off the bat. And then the other part of it is point number two, if we have to give up that depth, then you better pay for it. Like you better give us like, you know, a decent pick, maybe two picks 
to get rid of a uh, you know Kendrick Bourne because hey look Kendrick Bourne had 800 yards last year and you know look how big a role he played in the offense Isaiah Wynn I mean look we picked up his fifth year option he's a starting tackle you should definitely give us two picks for him Damian Harris I mean look at him he's one of the the most uh you know physical runners in the NFL you better give us a good pick for him and if they didn't like the return yeah they probably weren't just going to trade guys just to trade them I mean I think that it would have been it would have been best probably for the team in in the long term to just take whatever you could get for some of these guys. But definitely in terms of the short term, it does kind of blow up the concept of the team that you put together. And it does make things more challenging for you when you're four and four, you do have an opportunity to sneak in to the back end of that, that wild card race. Because if I'm going to be honest, the path is looking a lot more there than it did when the season started. Yeah, certainly. That's why that Chicago loss is so irritating. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, and that was, I mean. Oh, my God. And look, I'm going to tell you this. So, look, I'm from I'm from Chicagoland. Yeah, we all know. We all know this. There's a part (laughs) of me that's like, well, dang, look at the Bears. But I'm also sitting there just because because of the aftershocks of everything that happened in the game from a Patriots standpoint. I'm like, they got trounced. And to me that I. I have not seen and I cannot believe that I was putting Justin Fields in that category. I've only seen three quarterbacks handle a Bill Belichick defense since I've been here like that. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Justin frickin' Fields. And then it was the worst coached game and just the worst overall game that I'd seen since the Saints game last year in, in week three. And it was just that that right there look it, your season's not over there are going to be some winnable games like this week's a winnable game it looked like it might have been tougher before the season I mean it's definitely looking pretty winnable now Bengals looking way more winnable than than they were at the you know beginning of the year yep. Cardinals looking more winnable Raiders looking more winnable like you could see four or five wins potentially between here and the end of the season and and maybe depending on the way the wild card shakes out but Nah, man, if they had beaten Chicago, you you're might, in great shape. Yes, you're in excellent shape. And the thing that, that happens there, losing the way that you did to Chicago, it exposes the fact that you still don't know how to defend a quarterback that doesn't just stand there and wait for you to come get him. Okay. And, and the, the quarterbacks that I mentioned, right, Fields, Allen, and, and Jackson, all quarterbacks not named those guys, they're, they're what? 12 and eight against those guys in the last two years. And they're one and three against the fields, Allen Jackson quarterbacks, which wonder what they all have in common. They're top five in the NFL and rushing over the last two years. Yeah. And I give the bears credit for finally using fields as like a design runner because they pretty much weren't doing that as much as they should have been all season long. And we even saw early in that game last week, the jets saying, okay, let's try to do that a little bit with Zach Wilson. Obviously he's not the runner that those guys are, but Maybe Ellinger will try to do some of that on Sunday because, I mean, it's not like this guy's got much experience. I know he's not a super athletic guy, but maybe that's something that people see on film with this Patriots team. But speaking of the Colts game, it's kind of a boring matchup, if you will. Like the Colts are not a very sexy team. You think about the Jonathan Taylor situation. If he does play, he's going to be a compromised version of himself. And the Patriots could not get off the field against that guy last year. So that's definitely a benefit for them. But just in terms of Mac Jones, so – if Mac throws a couple of interceptions in this game, you head to the bye week and say the Patriots win, but it's sort of ugly. 
is that when we start to hear conversations, not just from like us talking about it on podcasts or in the media, et cetera, is this when there actually is a debate internally where they have that time to sort of diagnose everything where they actually could turn back to Bailey Zappi? Because I do think, Kyrie, that they would have those conversations if Mac plays poorly on Sunday. And I do feel like this is a massive game for Mac Jones individually, not just the team, but Mac, because Mac really all season long. And I know last week, as you said, you thought the tape was better than the actual results that we saw in the game, but Mac really hasn't had that game where you said, okay, the Patriots won because of Mac Mac played really well in that game. Now in the Ravens, the Ravens game, he had some really good throws, but then he had a couple of interceptions that were really bad. Right? So I'm just waiting for that full game where Mac has that performance to say, okay, this we're now believing in the guy that we saw last year. That was really good as a rookie. I feel like to me, the only way you could turn back to Bailey Zappi is if Mac Jones cannot function due to health. And the reason for that is, sure, you can get invested in the idea of, hey, maybe we can make the wild card, maybe we can make the playoffs. But I feel like at this point, this isn't about this year anymore. It's about next year. And it's about the future. And how do we get closer to a Super Bowl? To me, you don't get closer to a Super Bowl by going to Bailey Zappi right now, because you know what that means? If you go to Bailey Zappi and you, you bench a healthy Mac Jones, to me, that's it. You've lit, you've lit your number 15 pick from last year on fire. That's done. You've got to trade him. You've got to get rid of him. And the grass is not going to be greener folks. Like, like a lot of people, they just say they want this. No, you don't. First of all, that's terrible organizational practice. And secondly, it's going against the trend of what everybody's doing in the league. They're giving these guys three years. To, to figure it out. Okay. You've seen a bunch of guys that are, eh, you know, whatever through year two, and then you surround them with better weapons. You build more around them. And then, Oh yeah, look at that. Who would have thought they're better in year three Tua, you know, Jalen hurts and the bears are gearing up for it with Justin Fields, Josh Allen. I look, I know Josh Allen is one of the best football players we've ever seen. So that, that that's kind of a, a one of one kind of unicorn example. But, but again, I just feel like at this point, it, does, it doesn't make sense in terms of the big picture to go back to Bailey Zappi right now. To me, and I know this sounds harsh, but to me, he doesn't matter. He, he doesn't matter. He's a fourth-round rookie. They, they drafted him to be a good backup okay, for, for a decent amount of time. Maybe you keep him long-term. Maybe you flip him for draft capital if, if you have you know, the, the intrigue that he's added. But Mac Jones is still your guy. And you do him a disservice, and to me, you do yourself a disservice if you don't let him play out the string as long as he's healthy and capable of going. And you know what? If he takes some lumps and you don't make the playoffs, okay, you weren't going to make you, – you, I didn't have them making the playoffs anyway, so it's not like I'm going to be really like you know uh, bent, bent up about it. But it tells you more. It gives you more data points about whether or not Mac Jones – you believe that he could be the guy that he's worth investing in for next season. You're not going to find that out if you go to Bailey Zappi at any point willingly for the rest of the season with the healthy Mac Jones. And, and again, if you do that, then you've basically already given up on Mac. And to me, way too early to do that. Yeah, well, first of all, let me say this. Shots fired at the Zappi family right there. I mean, Bailey Zappi, 
doesn't matter, man. I mean, the poor Zappy family right now. I'm I just coach. Now. Yeah, I mean, I just coach out a couple of weeks. He loved the kids. So, but I understand your point. It I does, mean, I, I, I mean, I like him too. He's done. Yeah. It. He did well. He did everything he was For asked. A fourth to rounder. Do. I mean, yeah. yeah. But your he, your point is a good one because you have to find out what Mac is, right? And you completely basically change the offense from what it was a season ago. So you got to find out, Hey, is he the guy that we're building this entire thing around? And you did just recently, like a year and a half ago, take him with the 15th overall selection in the draft. So you owe it to yourself to find out. I think the only way he loses his job, quite frankly, is if he turns over the ball, because we know bill completely hates that. But I do think just looking at this specifically Kyrie, before we let you go is this is an interesting opportunity for Mac, right? Because you look at the Colts 4.0, uh, opponent yards per carry that's third of the NFL they're six in rush EPA so they've been good stop of the run but where Max had his issues this year is against pressure and this Colts team we know that defense right it's the same thing Matt Eberflus came went to the Bears it's that defense where they don't blitz 26th in blitz rate where Mac has had some issues so I do feel like there's going to be a lot on Max's shoulders in this game especially if they find a way to sort of not neutralize Ramondre Stevenson but at least make it a lot harder on him than it's been in recent weeks. Yeah. And, and you know what, I think that um, this is a game that in theory, and I mean, they're probably going to be tough, right? Because I mean, they have, they have a decent defense. I was, I, w- I was talking to uh, Nate Atkins for the first and Fox row podcast. Uh, make sure you check that out. It's on every day. Uh, but I was talking to him about it and look, basically the, the Colts are a good defense, but they don't take the ball away very much. And their best guy for taking away the football, Shaq Leonard, he's coming back from injury. He's not quite the same guy right now. So maybe this is an opportunity where if they're only going to rush for most of the time and they're going to sit back and chill and give you the time to survey, maybe this is another Jets kind of game where it's like, take what's given to you. Don't push the envelope too much. Obviously, you got to deal with Stefan Gilmore, got to deal with Kenny Moore, you know, a good slot corner. So you have to be aware of where you're putting the football. But look, just take the easy throws. You know, don't don't try Don't try to be a hero. Don't go crazy. I mean, like, for example, that fourth and one play that got uh, that got botched, like he could have had Jacoby Myers for a touchdown if Jacoby Myers read the coverage the way that Mac Jones was reading it, where he was telling Jacoby to go. There's no safety help like you're going to score if he if Myers had seen that that six points. But then you also had Hunter Henry strolling out into the flat for an easy first down. Just take those. Go ahead and take those. That, that's yeah. nice and easy. Take your layups. I think that's really going to be the key to me. I'm not worried about seeing 300 yard games from Mac Jones. I want to see him just keep moving the football, keep looking comfortable, keep making the right decisions, which again, I think he made more of the right decisions against the Jets than I gave him credit for in real time after going back and watching it. And I want to see him do more of that against the Colts. And from here on out, when you face the Jets again, and then you start getting into that gauntlet after the bye. All right. That is Kyrie Thompson from WEI and the first in Foxborough podcast. Make sure you check that out as well. Kyrie, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Love being on with you. Thank you so much.